Have you ever been watching a bad movie and thought to yourself, wow, any half-drunk jackass could come up with a better pitch than this? Well, have I got a podcast recommendation for you. The Film Rescue Show is a podcast that does exactly that. They take a movie, break down what worked and what didn't, and then pitch a new, sometimes better version. And if you're interested but don't know which episode to start with, I've been on some of the best, such as Red Dawn, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Hellboy, Warcraft, Scott Pilgrim. You can find all these and The Film Rescue Show either by searching for The Film Rescue Show or Jaguar Shark on your favorite podcasting site. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is... Lord Commander Ulrich. How are you doing today, Lord Commander Ulrich? I'm looking for a coaster for my drink, because I made myself a drink and then realized I didn't grab a coaster. Oh, how professional of you. I know, I am just a... Hey, I'm a professional drunk, that counts. That's fair. For anyone listening, I just got back from visiting Ulrich in person for the first time in eight years. Yeah, long-ass time. It took me fucking three days to recover from that weekend. Not because of heavy drinking, it's because it's fucking exhausting to be social that yeah. long with that many people. Because it wasn't just us, we also had uh, Seth Decker join yep. us and, and, and his people. And so it was like just a lot of people in a house and yeah, the social battery way drained. <laughs> yeah, and... I realized, like, and we thought we could do PAX. What the hell were we thinking? Oh, no. I still want to do PAX next year, but... Oh, it's... we will still do PAX, but I'm going to prep for it. Like, I'm going to start going to parties and bars to build up my social reserve. Yeah, that's fair. Because, folks, I'm old and being sociable and professional. I don't know. I just don't got it anymore. I mean, I still do that once a week. I've got regular like D and D sessions for exactly that. Kind I'm of not purpose. saying I'm a hermit. I don't interact with anybody, but it's the number oh, of people. I know. I'm just saying that I regularly work out my social battery. But this was for me anyway, not just social battery. I also had to drive an eight or nine hours each way. Yeah. <laughs> Axel and I live very far apart. I mean, a day's trip, but still a full day. It's a long time in the car, and I was very tired. I don't know. It's always fun when you hear Europeans talking about oh. It's a two and a half hour drive. That's a that's a trip. And Americans were like two and a half hour drives. Fuck, it's my commute. Yeah, some yeah. I mean, I'm lucky hey. enough that I can keep about a 15 minute commute. But I have been at points in my life had an easy hour, hour and a half commute. I, I know what it's like. I'm just saying, if you do not have podcasts in your life that take place outside of your home country, you're missing out. Because it's not only a fun cultural exchange, you get to find out how they view your country. Yeah, I mean, I don't like, need to know. I know the rest of the world hates us. So. Oh, it's just not even that. It's I have a couple Canadian podcasts, and hearing how the Canadians talk about Americans, it's like, oh, that's what you goofy, you know, hockey loving fucks think of us. That's fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I, I say it with all respect, but come on, milk belongs in a carton or a container, not a bag. I went to a school once that had milk in a bag. I didn't believe that was a thing until I met National Canadian and asked them about it. They explained the, you know, the dynamics. Like, okay, that makes more sense than I imagined, but it's still weird to me. Well, before we continue our our ramblings and ravings and possibly get to the topic actually on the marquee today, I have the privilege of listing off the names of our illustrious legion, those patrons who actually spend some money on us every month so that we can keep doing what we're doing and as well as we can do it. 
And the least we can do is say their names out loud. They are Pam Gelly, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brent Agnew, John Vittles, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donald Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Amell, Scott Rubin, Derek Takate, and Peter Cook. Now, if you want to add your name to that illustrious legion, and so we can keep on trying to speak faster and faster, you can head on over to our Patreon at, you know, Patreon slash Geeks with Shields. Personally, I'm fine with whatever amount, like even a dollar a month I'm really happy for, but Everything. at five dollar... Well, if you let me finish. <laughs> okay. But at the $5 a month tier is when, like, the actual amount that Patreon takes away from it becomes less of a factor. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Since I am the MC for Bucklers, and I already know what topic we're going to go into, but Ulrich was the one who came up with it, I will introduce it and he can explain it. And the topic today is bad endings in fiction. Well, I guess it doesn't have to be fiction, it can be nonfiction. In stories. Bad endings in stories, what their <laughs> impact on your experience with the story is, things like that. Or can I elaborate? Mean, I, I, I'm sorry, but your bad endings in nonfiction, it's like you're reading a history book like, what? Hannibal lost? Oh, this story's ruined on me. I can't believe it. I mean, there are some historical things like that. You think I like reading about Queen Boudicca ever? I get it, and I don't know, maybe it's my detached historical brain. It's like, I, I I don't have that same feeling of outrage of like, well, that story's ruined. <laughs> in the same way I do when, you know, I don't know, it's a weird, I accept history has warped my brain in a weird way. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying that, like, I can accept history, but still, if it ends in a really unsatisfying way, it means I'm not going to want to revisit that particular thing of history. Oh, no, I dive back into those all the time, because I'm like, ooh, we learned something new? Okay. Anyways, getting off topic, I feel like we, we've talked around this a lot because we talked about did Game of Thrones ending ruin the series? Is Game of Thrones dead, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people still go back to, I just can't watch Game of Thrones anymore because the ending ruined the whole series for me. Which, by the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to our previous episodes, to quickly summarize, no, Game of Thrones is fine. Nothing killed it. House of Dragon was super successful, even though I didn't finish it. It's fine. You didn't finish House of Dragon. I didn't, no. We could have been watching that this weekend. We could have, yeah. We were watching the I mean, I'm happy with instead. our choices, but... <laughs> Any excuse to rewatch House of Dragon. Yeah, I was watching it with my lady, but we just got pulled on a bunch of other things. Well, but yeah, no, this whole... And again, it comes up, and we even talked about it there. We'll talk about it again here, but this is kind of getting down to the central idea of if a story ends badly, either you don't like how it ends or it's disappointing... How much of a ripple factor does that have for you personally and, and the, the greater pop culture of it all? Now, there's I used at to least... think it was a much bigger thing. Yeah. Like, I used to think like a bad ending would genuinely ruin. But I also kind of looked at stuff I've watched and like, oh, actually, it doesn't. Yeah, there's at least one reviewer that I used to have a large amount of respect for and now watch more out of curiosity than anything. But they said that an ending is, like, paramount and that a bad ending can destroy a good movie and that a good ending can make a bad movie. And I I understand where that thought process comes from entirely, especially since the ending is usually the thing you're leaving the experience with. But in my experience, and I'll just say it's my experience and I think also Ulrich's experience, a lot of the times if the first part of it is something else then, like, especially if a majority, like, two-thirds of the movie, or book, or game, or whatever, are a different kind of vibe than the ending, then that's gonna be, like, a big part of your 
thinking about it experience post like not the day of because the day of you're going to be focused on the ending probably but later on when you're thinking about it more and more you're going to start thinking about those other things like the opening and you know the middle is usually where a lot of movies drag so that has an impact yeah no in theory it's like well yeah of course if the ending's bad it kind of has a ripple back effect and like does it really? And for some people, it does. Yeah, I saw a movie last year that I've talked about several times. Ulrich's not a fan of it, but I am called Barbarian. Barbarian, for anyone who didn't see it, because it was actually kind of under the radar. was It was a... not under the radar. It was a huge fucking deal. Really? I didn't see I mean, Dude, more... people will not shut up about it. People still will not shut up about it. It is in no way under the radar. This is as under the radar as Scott Pilgrim is. I definitely wouldn't say that, but... I would, but go on. Yeah, I think that's more your specific niche of people, because in the social circles I looked at, like, no one well, heard of Well, I it. run into horror movie circles, you don't. Yeah, that's fair. So, I mean, I've got a couple particular horror movie friends that only saw it because I recommended it to them, but anyway... As an example, all right, let's say whatever. Let's say it's not a let's say it's a very popular movie. Point is, it's very popular mostly for the first two acts, almost entirely for the first two acts, because the first two acts are really great, terrifying suspense building. And then the third act is super Ooh. cheesy, campy bullshit. Now, I'm actually fine with that because I kind of like super cheesy, campy bullshit, but it's basically a completely different experience than the first two thirds. Yeah, and I, I almost thought, like, oh, well, maybe this is the example. Like, but no, I wasn't into Barbarian from the beginning. Like, oh, this is fine. Like, in terms of filmmaking and... Like, I get what you're going for, but horror kind of feels like a separate beast because horror really is a magic trick of you need to have... Okay, you can have all this great setup and payoff, but if you don't pull off the hat trick, then it really makes you kind of go, what did I sit through? I mean, and I really reanalyze it. And I can't agree with that because literally the thing that sticks with me is not the last half hour that I sat going like <laughs> laughing at the screen. What sticks with me is the first hour where I was literally curled up in the fucking theater chair with my hands over my face and my friend leaning over and going, do you have to leave? Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying it's always that way, but I'm saying horror as a genre is kind of it's a magic trick almost in that first act is building the mystery you know setting up you can hear second is building mystery third act is paying off your mystery yeah whereas i didn't really care about the mystery it was the effect of what was being viscerally done to me that stuck with me yeah but no that, that's its own thing like i had to think about like no i didn't ever really like barbarian because again the big hyping mystery of it all. And they just, I, uh, I'm not going to go into barbarian. I've rented about barbarian enough. The one that made me change my opinion on this. And this is one that people go back to a lot on the internet is how I met your mother. When right. that ending first aired, I'm like, well, fuck, I can never enjoy this show again. That ending was so bad and made none of that matter. And then a couple years later, I was looking for something to watch. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try how I met your mother. And it was fun. Like, no, no, the jokes are still good. The stuff is still funny. Yes, it ends in shit, but so do most sitcoms. And yeah, then I would say, I honestly, jump out last season. with movies versus television shows, I feel like it's almost like a completely different discussion. I feel like with movies, it's a lot easier for an ending to ruin the experience because you're sitting down for one contained experience. In television shows, I cannot count the number of television shows with endings that are lower in quality or disappointing that 
don't matter because when I go back and watch them, I just stop before I get there because there, are... there there is that controlling like, and this is where I amputate. Yeah, guess what? Before they released Dexter New Blood, I just would sh- when I show people Dexter, the show that had has now nine seasons, had eight seasons, I would just stop season five and say, all right, and we're done. And there are plenty of people yeah. that would do that at season four. I know people who would do it at season one. Point is that. Before they gave it a definitive, like, ending that, spoiler, killed Dexter, there were at least four different spots where you could feasibly end that show and be fine. And that's its own weird thing. Like, it has been discussed. Like, we've talked about part of the reason I will not watch Dexter is if I'm watching it the first time through, I'm watching through all of it because I'm a completionist. Well, I'll tell you now that New Blood is actually pretty solid and... It doesn't redeem how bad season eight is, but at least it's a decent ending. So if yeah, if you're gonna do it, but now you can. Yeah, I still gotta get there. But for a lot of people, it's like when it gets bad, that just has a ripple effect. And again, I think How I Met Your Mother is a great example because the end really kind of undercuts the whole journey. I mean, absolutely. Well, okay. But there's a great bit in that episode that actually applies here. It's when they all want to see the Super Bowl because they have a big Super Bowl party every year but they can't see it because of reasons I don't remember. So they all try and spend the whole day not knowing the score mm-hmm. and they all inevitably end up getting it spoiled for them. But it doesn't matter because they enjoy the experience of being together more than they do watching the actual game. And like that works as a great example of I enjoy watching this show enough that the ending doesn't really matter. By the way, as a quick sidebar, I am not going to sit here and tell anyone that I like the ending to How I Met Your Mother, but I also think the idea that it's a betrayal of the series or anything like that is bullshit, because the show is kind of always about this one particular concept and the fact that it sticks to that concept by the end of it. And I don't mean the literal concept of How I Met Your Mother, but the more underlying subtextual narrative concept. Anyway, I don't like it, but I think it's fine. I think I've seen literally worse like series enders like Buffy and Angel both had worse series enders and I love both oh I disagree vehemently with you on Buffy well go go for it then (laughs) no no we're not well hold on let me call Slagathor in real quick Slagathor is the Buffy ending the series considered bad by fans or disappointing okay alright Slagathor our Buffy expert has considered as you know weighed in like that the ending of Buffy is, in fact, kind of viewed bad by the fandom. I told you. It's not as nearly as bad as Angels. Angels is considered to be, like, an actual portrayal okay. against the, the community. Angel but... is such a weird case because it was a literal dick-measuring contest between yeah. Bucky McFuckface, who we're not going to name on the podcast, and the network. But, but and similar... the network said, fine, fuck you. Yeah, so but it ended is... this weird, fucked-up... Similar thing. I stopped watching Buffy after the glory season because it's a perfect ending for Buffy the character. Oh, let's talk about that real quick. Shows that had perfect endings that then kept going. Supernatural. So, oh, I was going <laughs> to say, you beat me to it. Supernatural has the best and we should have ended. Well, you know what's is funny? There... The reason I bring up Supernatural actually for more than just that because Supernatural has this interesting thing if you look at how it's viewed by its community that it's basically solid almost A-tier, like, melodrama television up through season five, which is the 
Kripke era and is the point where, yes, it should just end here. You beat That's the where devil. They wanted it to end. Yeah, you beat the devil, you ended the apocalypse, we're done. Then it keeps going, and the quality just slowly dips until it reaches basically the bottom in, I want to say, season nine, whatever season the Leviathan are in, because that's... I like the Leviathan, but I realize the big part of why Leviathan works is it deals a lot with Bobby. Yeah. Who is hands down the show's best character. But I would also consider that season five to Leviathan is, okay, it's still good. It's a little dirty, but it's still good. And then after that, you're like, oh, no, we're drifting. That puts and you, then eventually that, it ends in sideways. That puts you in a minority opinion then, because from what I can tell, the general consensus is Leviathan is the literal bottom of the pit. And then it actually starts coming back up until you get to like. No, once they become obsessed with angels and. Hey, I'm not I'm not saying this is my opinion. Okay. I'm saying this is well, a general. Here's the other thing you have to recognize. There are three subsets in the supernatural fandom. Men aged, I'm not going to do the guessing on ages because that show ran forever. Men, older women, teenage girls. And eventually the show became for two out of three of those demographics. But you can't blame a show for leaning into its demographics. Hey, not... if it, it made so much money. Yeah, but I'm my point is, them. so my point is that whether your opinion or my opinion on it aside the general consensus is the show tanked in quality and then actually managed to come back up until the point where i remember seeing plenty of like forums and shit during like season 12 and 13 of like this is the best shit that they've done which, i which to having more seasons you are wrong people <laughs> yeah. i will fight you on this one i mean for me i literally gave up when dean killed death that was my moment of like yeah, i watched my that was my this entire that was thing. my oh shit I, I've I've been through a lot of less than good stuff, but you kill death, you're not topping this. And then it went for another five seasons. Anyways, yeah, not my, topic. Anyway, my point is that's why why Supernatural is interesting because yes, I do think the Supernatural would probably be better remembered by a general audience if it just did its five seasons and ended. But yep. that is an example where I can concede that that my own opinion on that basically stops mattering <laughs> after a certain so, point that's an interesting one another show with a very bad ending that the community feels is a bad ending oh but hold on key point i can still go back and watch supernatural those first five yeah. seasons are still fucking great i don't even know what happens in like the last two or three seasons because i stopped paying attention after dean killed death i don't care i can still go back and watch the original shit and it's still good so let's just discuss why do you think for some people the ending is such this hardcore ripple? Because there are plenty of people. I think, and I, I want to be on. fair. There were plenty of people. I want to address this real quick. That there were plenty of people that were so put off by Rise of Skywalker that it just tanked their love of Star Wars. Which, okay, let's honestly, that there's is some of the weirdest fucking shit I've ever heard of. Okay, well, this is going to be good to talk about because that's kind of me. I'm kind of in that category. Okay, then, I don't know. Have you never experienced a bad entry in a franchise? No, I've experienced plenty of bad I've experienced bad so entries why did this in one Star hit? Wars. It's... Okay, so, first of all... Oh, wait, I think I know why, but I'm not going to say it, because I want you to say it. All right, so, first of all, Star Wars is a little different than a lot of what we're talking about, because it's it goes through these weird ups and downs. It's so wide and varied. It also whether something is an ending is itself very tricky the 
the way the new films are I'm a person who loves The Force Awakens and I love The Last Jedi. I I adore them both. And I am on record as being I liked Force Awakens. I didn't like Last Jedi. Now I feel equal about both of them and like they're okay. They're yeah, not I, for me. They're flawed, but they're okay. Like if I was ranking Star Wars movies, I would still put both of them higher than Return of the Jedi, for example. I mean, neither no. of them neither of them is higher than A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back, but they're they're there. They're number Our three Star and four. Wars rankings are all sorts of janky, but to put it in context, yeah, no, those that trilogy is in the bottom half of my Star Wars ranking. Yeah, whereas for me, I like well, them both better are we than counting Return. Counting Solo in there because no, I'm not counting okay. non. Not putting not putting non-numbered in there. Okay, then yeah, they're in the because if we half. count non-numbered, I put fucking Rogue One at my bottom. Anyway, you are one of those people. Rogue One bored the fuck out of me. What do you want from me? It has Mads Mikkelsen and Donnie Yen. How is that movie so goddamn boring? Because it was cut to shit in the editing bay and rewritten to hell and back again. Yeah. Anyway, I love both those actors and Donnie. I love the third actor of Rogue One. I I love the Vader sequence, but most of that movie had me literally falling asleep. How do you not love the big epic space battle, which is literally the coolest space battle we've ever seen in Star Wars? It was just lights. Well, it was not cooler than the ending sequence to A New Hope. It was not. Uh, it didn't have the same emotion behind it. It just felt like it felt uh, like watching Avatar again to me. Oh, we're not going down that rabbit hole. I'm just saying that's how I felt no, about it. I know, but there's complex thoughts, and that's a whole other episode and discussion. Yeah, because I see where you're like he's not necessarily wrong, but he's not necessarily right. <laughs> anyway, to I'm just trying to explain. So, <laughs> I like the Last Jedi, but. And I think this is probably the thing you realized as you asked it. The conversation about Last Jedi was oh, yeah. a fucking nightmare. And it's literally the first podcast Ulrich and I ever did involve talking about The Last Jedi. And we didn't have our like anti-Star Wars rule that we had for a long time. That we've basically broken at this point. We but, have. We, if you haven't noticed, haven't heard, we lifted our Star Wars ban a while ago. We haven't officially done anything with it, but we're talking about Star Wars now yeah. for the first time in six years. But The Last Jedi was literally basically the beginning of me becoming aware of the particularly toxic internet fan culture. Like, I'd only been on the internet for so long with that Which movie. Which I find hilarious because you lived through and enjoyed the prequel hate. I guess. I like, the prequels came out when I was young. I mean, I didn't really care. I remember you showing me videos of people doing the hour-long breakdowns of why the prequels suck. Yeah, but that's... That, to me, was, like... That wasn't, like, a toxic fan culture thing. That was, like... I know, I'm just saying, it's funny of, like... But it was. It was part of this bigger, toxic... What we did to Ahmad Best over Jar Jar is part of that. That, specifically, I will totally agree with you on. I'm just saying that there was a... There was a tone to that that I doesn't feel the same. There wasn't. It was just... It felt different because... Well, I'm not going into why. Like, I personally don't think the prequels are terrible. I think they're fine. Except for Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is actually legitimately (laughs) terrible. But Phantom Menace, despite me hating that a lot for very nitpicky reasons. None of those movies, no Star Wars movie deserves the hate it's gotten. No, no. I mean, the fact that what it did to that actor who played uh, Anakin in Phantom Menace is unacceptable. Like, that's just just not cool at all. And, And then it's mirrored with what we did to the actress that played Rose Tico... Yeah, who definitely didn't deserve that, but I'll defend Rose. And what we did to fucking, oh, I can't remember his name. I feel bad. The actor played Finn. Here's also, also important thing. When that stuff was happening, I was like, 
like 18, 19. And that is the other maybe. difference. You are old enough that you recognize like, guys, it's just a movie. It yeah. doesn't deserve this degree of hate. So I didn't feel that degree of hate, but I was beginning to dip my toe into the like movie critic video space on the internet because I only got the internet once I got to college. That's the, other so, thing. the internet is so much bigger now than it was in 2009 when everyone was in this let's hate the prequels. Yeah, well, era. let's hate in general. Like nowadays, yes. I much prefer positive views of things in general than negative. I don't really care to watch people tear stuff down with it's few bad. exceptions. I don't need to know that it's bad. It's like, hey, it's bad. Okay, cool. Yeah, but that comes from years of experiencing that first part. So uh, anyway, yes. we're going way off topic here. We're getting my, lost in the weeds. Yeah. My, my point I'm trying to get to is that the conversation about Last Jedi was the first time after I'd been on the internet for a while that I started to feel the real shittiness at the core of those kind of conversations. Like, they might have, they might have been there. I'll concede that they, were pro- that they were there as the prequel discussions, but I was not old enough or, like, mature enough to really feel it. They were gated to forums. Like, you had to seek them out. The worst of it, at least. Yeah, that and too. And it was I was kind of not... radiated out into Star Wars culture of, well, everyone thinks the prequels are bad. And then that began a slow shift. With The Last Jedi, it was, this is the worst thing ever. And tying back to our central premise, it has ruined Star Wars. And because I was into One bad Last... entry in the story has ruined the entire franchise. Yeah, and that, because that I liked topic. Last Jedi, I was already feeling at this, like, that, that classic normal human impulse of bracing against people criticizing things that you like. Right? I'm smart enough to recognize that, at least. But so then when Rise of Skywalker came out, I had, admittedly, probably an unfair set of expectations. Because the way Last Jedi operated and worked, I was looking forward to more ambitious, kind of daring, like, directions that they hinted at in the whole concept of Last Jedi that that Ryan Johnson did. But instead, they go back to J.J. Abrams, they go back to what they were basically doing already they backtrack so much of the the stuff that particularly pissed people off in last year and that alone was already having me way on edge and then anything to do so there was enough stuff happening in that movie to make me not be into it as a movie to make me mad at it as a artistic creative endeavor and to make me feel like it justified the literal worst people that i had been dealing with for several years at that point and it didn't even make them happy. So it just felt like a failure on so many levels. And I have nothing against any of the actors involved in it, by the way. No. I actually like Adam Driver. I've seen like Marriage Story and stuff. I think he's a very good actor. Underrated, he's a actually. very good actor, but can we stop putting him in everything? I don't disagree with that. But anyway, point is, I don't blame any of the actors. I think that was a number of studio things. And I honestly think J.J. Abrams is a kind of a poor filmmaker. I'm sure he's done some great stuff, but I've yet to see anything from him that was like... He's a great producer in the talent he can pull and the resources he can get. I don't know if he's a good director. And I think he's an annoying writer. I'm not going to say he's a bad writer. Oh, yeah. He has tendencies when he writes that I personally don't like. If you're listening and you love his writing style, that's fine. I'm not (laughs) saying... If you're listening to this and you love his writing style, you probably love David... uh, Oh, no. God damn it. I was going to make a joke about the other writer, but I can't remember who he he partnered with. Yeah, point is... We did Watchmen, but we all decided it was bad. Yeah, you're... you're fine. I'm not critici- I'm not saying he's a bad writer. I'm saying he's a writer with tendencies that I personally do not like. And and yes, the mystery box is the big obvious one, and everyone oh, and yeah. their fucking dog has talked about it. So I'm not going to sit here and be derivative and sh- talk about it too. But the point Lindelof, is, that's who you like if you like Abrams. Yeah. Point is though, after all of that, 
I just reached a point with Star Wars where I felt... Because up to that point, even when I didn't like Star Wars movies, like Attack of the Clones and whatnot, or like Rogue One, it still always felt like a cultural moment. You get in that theater, and that John Williams score hit, and that crawl started, and I felt like I was living a piece of history until I saw the dead speak somehow the emperor Palpatine has returned or whatever the fuck that so, was maybe that's it it felt like a maybe... but but key thing i can still go back and watch a new hope and empire strikes yeah. back and force but... awakens even i'm fine with all that even though i'm generally tired of star wars even though i didn't watch mandalorian until i was basically contractually obligated to by this podcast I still fine, was fine with it, just because I fucking hate Rise of Skywalker, and I generally don't seek out Star Wars stuff anymore on my own, doesn't mean that I can't enjoy it in the right company, in the right situation. And the thing we'll have to discuss is your relationship to Star Trek as it applies to this. Honestly, I think it really podcast. doesn't... I, I really think it doesn't apply. I think that the Star Trek-Star Wars connection dichotomy is inherently incorrect. I'm more but... talking about that Star Trek has had more bad by number of volume maybe not qualitative but by volume uh i would say it's just because there's Which, a lot more star trek than there is star yes, wars in but general we're not we're not we're going to table that because it's a separate discussion but here's my theory of why this sidebar idea of, before your theory <laughs> are just, you sidebarring my sidebar i am I'm just gonna say i just finished strange new worlds i'd love to do a whole thing about star trek we'll continue later go on anyways i think maybe this idea that a bad ending ruins everything retroactively and why kind of to me feels like a new-ish phenomenon is the internet actually because the internet never ever lets anything go we are i don't know five years on from the end of game of thrones and a year on from house of dragons and people still go i just can't believe the betrayal that was the end of house of Dra uh, game of thrones it ruined it for me i need martin to come in and fix the ending because i just can't enjoy this show i love or anytime you, you, game of thrones is mentioned you are correct i think you are you're correct but i think there's also something else going on there with the type of narrative ed that is being ended because game of thrones wasn't just a set of movies, for instance, with a loose yes. connection. It was a literal single, long-form adaptation story being told. So its ending, because of the way the story is told, feels more integral to the entire experience. When you look at something like yeah. like Scrubs, I hate Scrubs as like eight different endings. But oh, I don't because feel... they have a really good one in there, and then the final one is really good. Yeah, but like, I feel the like something to get there is bad. Yeah, but I feel like none of them really matter to the experience of the show. Like, well, also, no one on the internet except for the original cast is really talking about Scrubs. And interestingly enough, yes, just... your mother is its own weird thing is because more people are talking about the how badly and rapidly how I met your mother has aged in terms of, oh, this isn't funny anymore. Why did we think this was funny? Well, then anyone talks about the ending. Friends got, got that really hard. Oh, time. Friends. Well, again, Friends was a I don't friend no friends was bigger than how I met your mother. Friends was far bigger. Friends was the shifting. Everything's different. Well, friends yes. was the last colossal sitcom. I'm not going to argue that there haven't been sitcoms that were, that were like big scrubs and how I met your mother were both big, but friends was like friends culture. existed in the pre-internet days. Yeah. Friends was like culture consuming huge. I mean, there's a reason yeah. why the Rachel was like the haircut for several years. Oh, dude, I I want us to talk about the. I want to have an installed. I don't know if anyone listened to it, 
But just I want to talk about the weird shift in culture between the 90s and the aughts. Sure. Another time. But my point I'm trying to get to, sitcoms don't actually require their ending to be anything. I love... That's the only show's one of my favorite sitcoms ever, and I basically ignore the last season entirely. Okay, now oh, we let's got... talk about that. That's the other thing, confirming my theory. If a sitcom used to be bad, you didn't talk about it, because why would you? Internet didn't exist. You just yeah. went like, well... Well, plus now we got that 90s show, which is actually pretty solid. Yeah. Pay your writers, Netflix. Yeah. Anyway, my point I'm trying to get to is that Game of Thrones is a specifically interesting example because of the various circumstances that added up to it. Now, I personally can go watch the first five seasons of Game of Thrones and still have a good time. I go back and just watch sequences of stuff I remember all the time. It's, you know, I'm, I don't feel like those are poisoned. But I can understand how particularly the storyline of Danny of Daenerys, now that you've seen how it quote-unquote ended, going back and watching anything she did previously and being like well now i know what's happening there and it's shitty is hard to get out of your mind which is a very different thing from oh i know this sitcom character is going to do something stupid at one point and i also maintain they were no one those people were never going to like the ending because folks that's the ending in the book you're not going to like it there you don't like it now you're not going to like it then yeah so he is always on the path to homicidal maniac probably Bran is always on the th- way to being the throne that one i'm gonna i'm gonna i think martin went oh fuck okay scrap the last book because obviously you don't like this well i mean as i said in our original coverage of it uh sansa is perfect for the throne by the end of the series but anyway i so no i i do not i do think definitively that as far as on a wide enough time scale an ending does not actually like kill a show it can I think dampen the show's culture impact. And I think one of the first real examples that we can think of in an internet ish age is the Sopranos, which had the famously divisive ending. About that one. Yeah. It has... I remember watching it with my parents and going, huh? And then years later, people went, Oh, the Sopranos was the worst fucking ending ever. Like really? I mean, oh. that that and Lost, those are the two I remember first, were the first time I ever read. <laughs> oh, now, <laughs> I'm not going to defend Lost. I didn't watch nope, any of Lost at all. I have no Lost. fucking care about them all hugging in a church, apparently, is what happens. But yeah, the, that's, its own. It, that's too big. That's a whole other thing. We need guests and experts and charts. Yeah, but The Sopranos was one of the first times I remember seeing, like, SNL make jokes about it. and, and, and what and, Again, like, burgeoning of that internet as a thing outside of message boards and and yet i've watched the internet try to redeem the sopranos ending as that's an its own other weird thing is this internet's desire to reclaim things i'm sorry speed racer is still bad it was never good you can like it that's fine but do not tell me it is good i'm not touching that one i have not seen speed racer but i've seen people i respect talk about it so i'm not going to touch that one but listen i ain't going down that one i don't have enough people angry at me already yeah anyway my point with the sopranos is i've watched people argue about what the symbolic meaning of where it ends is but i've also watched plenty of people just talk about like how important it is to where we went in television and not even talk about the ending at all and that's the reaction i'm more interested in when you can just be like hey here's this show it was pretty fucking good and then you just don't say anything about <laughs> the fact that you didn't like the ending. Yeah, awesome. the internet has changed how we consume our media. I, I can answer the question at the top. No, I don't think a bad ending retroactively makes a bad 
rest of the experience. I love reading the first three books in the Horus Heresy, even though that third book rips my heart out, stomps on it, and then lights it on fire. I want every time I read it, I want it to be different. I want to add a big asterisk, though, personally. I'm not saying it's impossible for an oh, ending no. to ruin a piece. I absolutely think it can happen. I'm just saying that I think much of the time, a bad ending's importance to the experience of a story is overplayed. Yeah, there. and I'm I'm hard pressed to name an ending that you know retroactively made everything terrible. Because again, I loved How I Met Your Mother. I hated that ending. I've rewatched the show a couple times since the ending, going, you know what? The good bits, they're still good. And it reminds me of one of my favorite lines from Watchmen is that's the funny thing about memory, kids. Even with with time, even the grimiest bits get a little bit brighter. Well, I mean, that's there's also the classic music thing. Like people will always say, like music from this decade was the best. This was because the best. No. it was seventy four was peak. Uh, I'm gonna go find a list of like the absolute worst songs that came out in seventy four and send it to you. Then I'm because... not saying bad shit didn't happen. Bad shit still happens. I'm not saying that it didn't have some good songs in there. I'm saying seventy four was when rock peaked and never got better. Oh, I get that. That's because seventy four is when rock and roll hoochie coo came out. But <laughs> but anyway, oh, the. The, the point is that in music, the reason why it's easy for people to say that is because as time goes by, you just don't think about the bad songs, but you still remember the good songs. So as time goes by, it feels like all the songs from a certain point were the good ones because you just don't think about all the shitty ones, which is why I think, especially for television, same kind of principle is at hand because you basically don't have... You mentioned Star Trek. Star Trek has... Plen Let's just talk about Next Generation, which is one I'm very, very familiar with because my, my I've seen all the original series. But my information on it is not up to date. Ne Does Next God need with the starship? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that's um, that's not the undiscovered country. That's the Klingon. I like that movie. It's not a good movie, but I like it. But <laughs> anyway, see, see, he can admit it's not good and still enjoy it. That's oh. what I'm asking from Wachowski fans. Yeah, yeah, fair. But anyway, point is, Star Trek has numerous episodes that are just out and out bad, and I just don't watch them, and that's okay. See, that feels like the perfect ending to this discussion, which has been a fun, rambly thing. And again, if you are one of those people that endings really do ruin it, explain it to me. I want to know. I want to understand. Because, who boy, I have experienced some terrible endings to shows, and then never thought about them again. Because I'm like, well, I had fun. Yeah. Like, I know there's an example just at the back of my brain of like... Oh, I don't have you're any going personal to do this examples. and I can't I, I can't see it. But right now, lost to the memory jar. I don't have any personal examples because literally Dexter was my example for the longest time of the worst disparity between how good a show started and how bad a show ended. But I would still watch season one of Dexter all the time. So even the case where I most had that shift of like to hate, I still felt comfortable watching the thing. Um I'm thinking the, the Dexter books. Bits. The Dexter books, though, might might be that for me because the Dexter books pissed me off so much I stopped reading them. Yeah, we haven't talked about bad book endings, but I generally like refuse to remember. Bad you know what? Books. I thought this conversation was only going to last like twelve minutes, but we're hitting yep. the forty mark, we're... and I feel like there's still more stuff I want to talk. This about. This is a uh, Tars. This has gone from Buckler to Tars. So if you're listening to this and you're finding our bullshit rambling interesting, tell us so that we can justify doing. If you are. In this bullshit rambling, you're going to love our once a month live Discord hangout that is nothing but this, but I drink way more. <laughs> yeah, I, sh I should drink more. But anyway, 
that's all we have time for today. We've already gone well <laughs> past our time. Thank you for listening. Be sure to do all of those content creator things that I'm supposed to ask you to do that are always really kind of weird for me to ask, but at the same time, they actually do have an impact on how well we can, you know, do this content. I hate that word. It started to lose all meaning. No, Point is, uh, uh, no content is banned on this podcast. I'm, I'm striking it from the record. Okay. Uh, the stuff we do, the show. I want to just call it the show because I like the that. The show. I like sh- there you go. Anyway, give it the- some artistic uh, merit. I, you know, I like that a lot. So the more people see the show, the more that we can grow. And the more we can grow, the more of the show we can do. Anyways, we are everywhere. And if we aren't on that place you like, please let me know because I'm getting lots of suspicious emails from podcast sites I've never heard of saying, hey, we'd love to have you. And I don't know if they're real because I've never heard of them. So tell us I want you on doorknocker.com so I can go there and not have it be an attempt to steal my information. As always, this has been Axel Wright. And it's your brother, Lord Commander Ulrich. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable. <laughs>